Hi, this is Brian Frederick, principal with AWH, and you are listening to Mid-Market Growth, a podcast about growing mid-market companies. I have Chris Adams from Red Thread Brands with me. And Chris, according to the website, you are in charge of snacks, Absolutely. which is which is very important. It is because very important. if people don't have their snacks, then you know the the, the hangry part comes in, Absolutely. and people can't do their best work. So, Absolutely. Um, you're fulfilling a very important role being the snack queen. It is so important. Every retreat that we have, every event that we 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 have, I'm like snacks, snacks, snacks everything that we have to make sure that everybody, you know, keeps it under control, um, you know, usually involves also bringing the, you know, the, the booze and the wine and all of that that goes along with the snacks. So we're high on uh, <laughs> hedonism in our company a little bit. <laughs> and, and, and saying that, that you're high on it was just the perfect wrapper and connotation. <laughs> uh, but snacks, snacks and booze. I knew there was a reason that I liked you from the, the moment that we met, because um, you you are you are singing my song. <laughs> it makes for a, a fun world. We're very. Uh, we all really like what we do. We love our. We love Red Thread. We love our work. We love our clients, and we really like to have a good time while we're doing all of that. So it's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. Um, so we're going to dig into branding for mid-market companies as a precursor to that. Give folks the 30 second you know, pers- perspective around Red Thread, what you guys do, you know, sure. sort of who you do it for. And, and then we'll jump in and, and sort of peel back the layers on branding for mid-market companies. That way people have a little bit of, bit of a baseline of where you're coming from. Absolutely. So we are a fully integrated marketing firm, and that means we do everything that is considered uh, brand development, brand execution, brand strategy, and we believe that it is best when intertwined and you take those pieces of what some people are doing, whereas it's we need a website, we need social media, we need a blog, we need this. And we believe that those things work best when woven together and make a strong fabric. And uh, you get a better, you get a better brand strategy and a better brand awareness for your clients. You build believability. Awesome. Thanks for that. So branding for mid-market companies is um, an interesting conversation, uh, especially for those mid-market companies that are not super sexy, not super glamorous and branding sort of gets still, I think, widely underappreciated and undervalued. Why do you think that is? And and why should mid-market companies care more about, care more about it? I truly believe that it matters and it it matters more to them. <laughs> it should matter more to them um, because they are in positions of really building loyal customers. They're, they're base where people can either believe in what they do or not care what they do is kind of a fine line. And you have, uh, you have companies who, 
you know, they are, they've gone from being either a mom and pop or a small business and they've raised to the ranks. They've been able to have some sustainability. They've been able to keep themselves uh, afloat and they're, they're now doing great, right? They're, they're feeling really good about stuff. And they probably even come up from a place where they've gone, oh, well, if we don't do any branding or we do sort of uh, branding that we've done ourselves, that probably that hasn't really worked very well. So they get to a place when they've hit mid-market and they go, we need, a, we need to build a better mousetrap. And either building that believability or not, can have a major impact on whether or not they stay and hold their spot in the market. And you sort of look at branding as believability, right? There's that's, that's sort of an equals to you, right? In in a in a in an equation perspective. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's an interesting way to look at sort of the real world practical perspective around a brand is. Is your company believable, right? By mm-hmm. by those inside of it and outside of it, or is it not? And do you sort of act sort of incongruently, right? Th- that your brand isn't that believable, and and people then yep. can't sort of attach to it. Is that absolutely? Is that, is that how you sort of look at it? I do, and it is. Uh, I I think it's very important. Um, it is about believability, and especially. Even now, uh, people are starting to realize that where they spend their money really matters. And it's very important as uh, the kind of older generation consumer is moving to the, to the right of the scale of consumerism and you're having a younger market move in. The millennials are no longer even the young kids anymore. And when you look at people who are saying, we want to spend money with companies that we can believe in that actually matters to them. And so if you're going to hold your own in whatever market you're in, and it's not just like touchy feely brands, right? It really has to be the, the overall, are you who you say you are? You know, it doesn't even have anything to do with, um, you know, are you Tom shoes or not? Right. You know, like Harley Davidson, like them, don't like them, whatever. They are who they say they are. How do you then sort of think about brand values, mission, culture linked and, and then separate? And where do those lines cross? And where do we, we often get it wrong of looking at culture as brand or looking at values as brand? How do you sort of you know divide <laughs> like- and conquer yet sort of aggregate? That is such a good question. So I look at it as if a company doesn't know their purpose, like why they exist, (laughs) then their employees don't know why they exist. And if the answer to why do you exist is to make money? Yeah, but I mean, that's sort of a pay to play, right? But it's like, that's just a given. Of course, everybody wants to make money. Companies that have people on the inside that say, oh, we can really get behind this. We understand, like, this is a company that we can be like, oh yeah, we're brand ambassadors from the inside out. So a lot of companies, one, 
their executive level teams uh, don't agree on what their purpose is or don't care. Two, their employees on the inside are confused as to (laughs) what they should be actually attached to, you know, or are they just getting a paycheck? And then you get a customer experience where the customer then gets eh, employees who are like, yeah, we're getting a paycheck. What, you know, what you need? I'm off at five. (laughs) Right? Right. Or you get companies where the people who are on the inside go, oh my gosh, I can believe in this. I can love this. I can like fight for something. I can strive for something. I can tell the the clients that I'm talking to on a daily basis, like how amazing we are and, you know, help really to like promote that inside, inside out. Then the customers get a experience that's completely different from the pay to play, (laughs) you know, employee experience. And you then get people who have that brand experience that they go, oh, this is amazing. I'm there doesn't it doesn't even matter who puts out a better product. I'm still going to buy that Apple phone, the iPhone. I'm still in no matter what's happening in the market. The iPhone people are still buying the iPhones and you're going to see companies who have employees who like have tattoos (laughs) of an Apple, of a, you know, an Apple logo on them. They are drinking the Kool-Aid. They are believing the, the whole nine yards. And, you know, as they've continued to grow and their company as a whole, you know, has evolved, We'll see what happens with that. I'm really curious to watch and see over the years because you know, I'm not necessarily sure that um, you know some of these big companies who have been living that way are still continuing to do that in the uh, in the the modern the modern age. Other companies are on their heels, I think, and they're gonna they're going to see some uh, strikes to their believability and their brand. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's a good segue into is a brand, should a brand mature and evolve for a company as the company matures and evolves? Or is a brand sort of a bedrock that doesn't evolve much and shouldn't because it is grounded in principles that if you believe in those principles, the, the brand should then you know represent those principles and not sort of evolve that much even as a company sort of evolves and matures, because if you think about mid-market companies, we were talking earlier, right? Every mid-market company started out as a non-mid-market company, right? As as small business, lifestyle business, however you want to sort of refer to it. Yep. But then they get to a mid-market you know, company size and they've maybe still got the brand essence and identity that they had, as you described, right, when when they were just starting out and, and when they were smaller. So how do you think about a brand maturing and evolving as a company evolves and matures? Yeah, so I definitely think that the company should evolve and mature and their marketing should evolve and mature. Their stories should evolve and mature. They should be consistently assessing their market their consumers, and their value. Although I tend to believe that their purpose doesn't 
necessarily change, but their marketing does. So if you have a company that, you know, started off as, you know, let's say, uh, I'm thinking the there's a, a beta. Okay. I'm, I'm pulling out big names, not mid markets, but so Aveda, when Aveda started off, they were very much small mom and pop, uh, one of the first organic brands, um, you know, cruelty free in the country. And like, they have grown so much um, and they've been purchased by another huge company, but their, their marketing has gone from crunchy granola <laughs> to very high end. And I think that they probably lost some people along the way, but then they probably gained some people along the way. And the goal was to have products that were consistently cruelty-free, consistently uh, environmentally friendly, um, and products that were, that felt luxury. So going from the crunchy granola to the more high end has been a, a fantastic evolution for them. And people who still are interested in the products that are considered, you know, environmentally friendly, cruelty-free, uh, you know, you know, uh, organic, those people are still believing that brand no matter what. And so you're, so your messaging, yes, your messaging can evolve, your marketing Mm -hmm. can evolve, but the brand and your brand sort of essence and core kind of needs to say, stay the same is what I'm hearing you say, because if, if that changes too much, then I guess it's a sign that, and this could be plausible, I guess, um, but it's a sign that your original sort of brand stance might have been not that foundational. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and and how often does that happen? And how often do you see that where a company a sort of builds its brand on what is not a very solid, solid foundation and not very solid, you know, principles, if you will. And yes. then they, they, they figure out some point at some point later, maybe is there a bigger company and there's more consequence and there's more online on the line that they say, oh, geez, we have a weak brand and now we need to actually define a more solid foundation for our brand. That seems like that would be because if you don't, if you if you aren't very brand sort of mindful and thoughtful, you can have yes. sort of a weak brand that then becomes Absolutely. a strong brand. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some of that is just like, you know, maturity as if you, you know, you're growing up, you know, from the time that you're a teenager to the time that you're a, you know, 35 year old adult, you know, you, you find that you're probably your, your core of your, you know, your core of yourself is uh, something you still resonate with, but you've learned things, you've matured, you've um, kind of learned what, not to do what, you know, what works better for you. And so understanding that maturity in a brand, I think is, is really a a plus as long as you don't um, just say, okay, well, we're not going to be this company anymore. So Whole Foods is another great example, right? Don't we all want to know what's really going on at Whole Foods right now? (laughs) You know, because Whole Foods used to be the, the model. Whole Foods was like, 
purpose-driven, culture-focused, belief-driven consumers are like, oh, if we buy it from Whole Foods, we believe that that we are buying the you know high-end product that we are going to shell out all the money for, right? Yep. And Whole Foods being purchased by Amazon, we're all like, hmm, how's that going to work out? Because the question is, is that you truly believe that Amazon and Whole Foods are probably not the same, don't have the same culture or values. And it could either be that they have agreed to do that so they can bring their model to the masses, or it could be that Amazon, <laughs> Amazon culture gets absorbed into Whole Foods culture. And I think the Whole Foods culture people would be a little concerned about that. And that they could very well, you know, they could very well lose people in that transition um, because they're also not adjusting any kind of, they're not providing any kind of value on top of it to gain additional customers. So, Yeah, I think that there, there can be great brand uh, incongruencies, right, inside of, of those kinds of mergers and acquisitions because you, you've got potentially competing um, competing wise at play, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I don't think Amazon has ever tried to communicate to the world that they care about the mission of the products that they're selling. Absolutely. Right? They've, they've always communicated that we're going to do it better, more efficiently because it's more convenient and it saves customers time and customers can save money. Right. But that's very different than Whole Foods. We're going to give you access to the best products that we can find that have mm-hmm. been produced in the best ways possible. We're going to certify that and you're going to pay a premium for it. Those yeah. would seem to be two two brands, you know, coming from very different perspectives mm-hmm. around a customer value proposition. And then it creates some customer angst potentially. Right. It does. Because yeah. now, now you've got this collision of sort of competing values, right? And comp- competing brand messages. Absolutely. And if you're a mid-market company and you're sort of thinking about acquisitions and mergers and those kinds of things, or even maybe taking private equity money, right? That, yes. that could sort of change your why. Right? Absolutely. Because if, I, you're, yes. if you're a mid-market company taking, you know, private equity money, for example, the private equity money is going to say, we need to return our money. We need a level of efficiency. We need a, a level of cost savings, right? And performance that's yes. maybe different than the leaders of that company have pursued before. Mm-hmm. How do you think about that? How would you advise a, a mid-market company leader that now has competing brand priorities for lack of a better way to sort of phrase it? Yeah, so they, I am actually um, working with a client at the moment who is has a, exactly that scenario. They, um, they have, uh, they have investors that are extremely interested in playing a part in what's happening with them. They want to see the return on their investment. They are making decisions, um, around them and their brand that they're not even consulting the like COO of the company about it. And so they are in the process of trying to figure out how do we hold steady? 
And how do we continue to be the company that we started out to be and also help our investors understand what we're doing? So one of the things that we're doing with them is we are consistently helping them to prove that companies who hold tight to their brand beliefs actually outperform companies that don't. So the most recent statistic on that is that, you know, the companies who behave in that manner outperform their competitors 14 to one. And that's a statistic that is actually up from about five years ago. It used to be nine to one. And it's based on a study of Fortune 500s of companies who behave and act in a way where they are consciously, you know, acting and driving their companies based on their purpose. And, you know, when you can do that and build belief, your return on your investment is higher. And so we've consistently, you know, helped to prove to their investors who go, oh, but, you know, we're very used to, you know, putting our hands in things and doing things the old fashioned way, basically, of manipulating the system and throwing a bunch of money at stuff and not really thinking about what is that brand belief? Why are people, why are people continuing to do business with them? And if you take that and you, let's say you advertise for something to get more people in the door, but the people that you're getting in the door are not the people who are your people. And those people are just mad. (laughs) That is not going to work out for you in the long run. It might give you some initial profitability, but long-term it's not going to pay off for you long-term. So the, the, the strategy behind that is you may have to play ball with, uh, with, with people and try to figure out how to work in what their ideas are about what, you know, what you're doing and still staying the course for, you know, that shift that needs to happen and then still continuing to try to prove the profitability base on the results that you've actually been getting. It's a hard, hard, it's a hard thing to, to try to do. Um, Companies who want to stay mid-market, like a lot of companies, they're really happy being mid-market. They're not looking for massive, you know, they want, they don't necessarily, you know, want to see themselves as a Fortune 500, right? Like they're, they're really happy in their niche. And I think it's easier for them to, to say, we're going to stay in control of ourselves. And when you do that, those people are able to really establish their brands, really build that brand belief. And, you know, when they can still own their own space um, and then also make sure that they're paying attention to it. Not, you know, like they, the, the, the potential fall fail there is that they can go, oh, we're doing great. We don't need to do all this other stuff. Why do we want to spend $500,000, you know, marketing, you know, every, every year when we're doing great? Right. Well, and I think, yeah, I think the, the we're fine mentality is a risky one. I think the, the thing that's also concerning and, and that I see a lot of, and we see with, with clients that we work with who are trying to grow and we help them grow to grow through leveraging technology better, mm-hmm. but there, there is often a, a mentality of we have to grow 
and we have to grow. I wouldn't say at all costs necessarily, but the focus is so um, intense around growth that they then take actions and they they do things that are sort of inconsistent with who they've been and, Mm -hmm. and they make choices that they sometimes later regret because those those choices weren't weren't grounded in any any belief in any uh, yes, sort yes, of yes. St- strategy that isn't mm-hmm. you know other than hey we need to grow so we're going to do this yes. because we need to, because we need yep. to grow. Yep, and I see this in a lot of companies who are looking to um, to you know to put their company up for sale. Sure. Right. You know uh, they are um, they are they're making decisions that will make it appear to be a highly profitable company and they work against themselves. Um, and I've seen that backfire several times over the last 10, 15 years, but it's, it's so, um, that quick money and bending what they originally thought to be, uh, their, their goals for their company. It's, it's so tempting. I mean, you know, I can understand it. But at the same time, it's it winds up it will bite you in the ass. <laughs> so I've seen it just like it is so uh, it's detrimental in many ways, especially companies that try to grow. They try to grow too fast and they can't handle the growth. They can't handle having the internal structure for the growth. Uh, the people on the inside of the company are then seeing this is where I actually think that this is the biggest fail is the people on the inside of the company are then seeing the people that they believed in not put the money where their mouths are. And then the internal people are going, what are we doing here? And we're overworked. We can't keep up with this. They're then, you know, having their customer service people like, you know, so one of the things that we were talking about before we actually started recording this episode is uh, brands being erratic, right? And, and so mm, part of sure. what we were what we were just talking about, where there are there are outside and sometimes inside pressures on a, a, a company, company leaders, and then the brand that that, that there is um, inconsistencies, right? Develop because now. They sort of succumb to those pressures, but you've got some interesting stories and examples about companies and, and leaders of companies sort of being brand erratic, mostly driven out of their own sort of egos and not necessarily mm-hmm. even out of external pressures or, or things that they should even be paying attention <laughs> to and caring about. Yes, absolutely. They, uh, you wind up with people who they find themselves in a place where they, uh, they have you know, the, the company's, uh, let's purpose, I won't use it the exact purpose, but the company's purpose is um, making lives better, right? And the leaders of the company are, you know, have been, you know, started to have these sort of <laughs> visions of grandeur, they're really getting involved in how much they, uh, they, they are loving seeing their brand executed. And everybody's sort of going in a positive direction. So then they have some sort of market flip 
like, let's say a new company comes in that's a direct competitor and they go, oh, oh my God. <laughs> uh, they just put up a billboard across the street from one of our, our locations and, you know, we need some more billboards to go up. And you're like, well, really, you don't necessarily need more billboards. You're already doing great. Your return on your investment for what you're spending currently is on point. And your people that you, you know, have on the inside are happy. They believe what you're doing there. You've got happy customers. You've got happy team. And they're like, no, 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 no. We need more billboards. And I go, okay, all right, let's see. Let's see where we go with that. So, you know, then you've got sort of wasted, wasted effort really um, because those things weren't necessary. Or we even, we even have a, <laughs> an exec who um, insisted on being able to see a billboard uh, on their drive into work where they had no locations for at least 30 to 45 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, and you're like, you know, do you really want to spend that kind of money on, um, you know, being able to, to see your own billboard? And, uh, and they were, you know, in this, 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 the answer to that was yes. And we're like, wow, that is, that is crazy. And so what happened from that is that their, their internal team, you know, the people who work for them, they're like, we, we haven't even gotten raises in the last like three years. Why is there a billboard up in one of the most expensive areas in town where nobody's even going to come in to come see us from there? So their internal team starts to then get the internal churn that says, mm, something's not right here. And we actually started seeing the something's not right stuff with that external spend and the external, you know, sort of ego stroking um, marketing. And it really upset the internal, uh, the internal working of their facilities and people started quitting. They started not being have enough people to staff some of their centers sometimes. And, you know, they, they had some real challenges uh, around that. And, you know, I'm not necessarily sure it's completely, it's completely resolved. Um, you know, there's a lot that gets blamed on, uh, you know, market fluctuations and whatnot instead of uh, foolish it's foolish behaviors or brand, uh, you know, brand execution that seems off. But that that believability inside and out, it it's it matters. It matters. I see it over and over. So, well, I think one of the mistakes that that company leaders make, and I think this is especially true in the small and mid market spaces, is brands are too personally tied to and driven by and identified with right the leaders of the company mm -hmm. whether it's whether it's founder right ceo president right th Absolutely. That, that oftentimes those leaders think that the brand is them and their perspective of the business their perspective of the why their perspective of what they want out of the business right and yes. And that's almost never true, right? It is. So I think that it is and it is not. Um, so I like to see a leader who they like, 
I think that it works best, brother, when a leader has their own personal purpose, right? Like they've done that work. They know who they are. They figured that out and they know why they're the leader of that company. So they have their own personal purpose. They've got their own personal brand and they then understand the personal, the brand of the company and the company has a purpose. So if you get involved in what your company's purpose is and uh, what your leader's purpose is, and those two things align, then you have a higher chance of success. If you have a leader who their personal purpose is to just make as much money as possible uh, with, you know, all co- at all costs, and your company purpose is to, you know, make lives better, eh, you're probably going to have a little bit of some conflicts there because the people who are over here going, you're not making my life better, right? Because they're putting their team in a position of, you know, being overworked, not having enough resources. Um, And then all of that then rolls back down onto the client and to the customer. So if you have, um, if you have those people that, you know, look at Southwest Airlines, you know, they're still going strong on their purpose, which is to like democratize the skies. Right. And they are really consistent. People believe in Southwest. They believe in the whole heart thing. They, you consistently hear from their internal people that, um, that they are who they say they are. And the leadership of that company backs that up. They outperform their competitors <laughs> over and over and over again. Um, you know, like, you, you know, you look at uh, like Walgreens and CVS. Walgreens uh, and CVS, CVS uh, several years ago, maybe five years ago, said, we're not going to sell cigarettes anymore. Um, we're supposed to be a company about healthcare. We're not going to, we're not going to do that. And they have outperformed Walgreens consistently uh, when they started being more concerned about their, the believability in their brand over the, just like the, are we the cheapest? So is that one of the great inconsistencies for a company's brand that can happen is the inconsistency between what the sort of leaders of the company want and what the company wants to be or says that it is. And if if that gap is too wide, it's going to be very hard to sort of brand execute adequately. Yeah, absolutely. So, and there's, you know, like there's so, there's so many places I think where mid-market companies can keep a a better hold on that. So they've got a, a, a more, a likelier uh, opportunity to really see that return on developing that purpose-driven brand. And when I say purpose, it is whatever their purpose is. So it's, are you doing what you say? Are you, are, you know, are you who you say you are? And are you putting your money where your mouth is? Um, there's a lot of tag words that go along with purpose. Um, I have issues with it sometimes. <laughs> but yes, the overarching believability across the board 
if, if you don't have that consistently, then, you know, you're a lot of people, sometimes they, they don't, you know, they don't care the older, you know, we've got an older generation. They're like, I'm buying a widget. I want the cheapest widget. Right. And so sometimes that matters. And if that's what your concern is, then fine. Purpose drone brand isn't for you. But if you're a company that even companies who, you know, may not supposedly seem sexy, right? <laughs> if you have a internal culture that is built from the belief that they are treating each other well, that they, the company is a good company, the company's uh, respecting their employees, the company is matching what they need to match for their internal and external perce- perception, then even your widget selling can outperform the other widget <laughs> if it's more expensive, if you have people who can get behind what you're doing as a company. Yeah, that makes sense because I think that's one of the challenges in the mid-market space is there are a lot of mid-market companies that are not that sexy. They're not that glamorous, right? They literally, truly make nuts and bolts and um, building products and um, their distributors of engines, right? And and no one, you know, is going to look at them and say, wow, this company is fascinating and, and this company is is driven by a purpose and, and a passion that, that we can all sort of sign up for. Uh, but many companies in the mini market produce the things and provide the services that allow the big brands, right. To, to do what they do. And for small companies to have people to sell to and, and to have customers but that the mid market is often made up of very unglamorous, unsexy companies mm-hmm. that, to some degree, are the the most important part because they're the the cog sort of and the glue in the middle that make everything else sort of work and run. But oftentimes they get to the point of having either ignored or irrelevant branding, right? Because they're like, well, you know, we make nuts and bolts, so you know, what does it matter, right? And oh, then when you think it so matters. Right. And then when they get to a point of saying, okay, we want to make sure we, be, we don't become irrelevant moving forward. We want to make sure as consumerism is changing that we don't, we don't get left behind. And then they, then they almost get to a point where they have to be, play like brand catch up, right? Absolutely. Because they ignored it for so long. How do you, what would you say to a leader of a company like that, that is just a sort of bread and butter, we, we, you know, we manufacture nuts and bolts. We haven't cared about our brand for 40 years because we haven't had to, but now because of competitive pressure, consumer pressure, supply chain pressures, et cetera, now we have to care more about our brand. What would you say to a leader of a company like that? I worked in oil and gas and I've worked in, I've had uh, oil and gas clients, I've had construction clients, I've had heavy equipment clients. And the beauty about those companies are, is the first thing that I want to ask them is what are they doing inside of their company that makes their company great? What's their quality and safety rating? How are they, um, you know, treating their employees? Uh, do they have a right to stop work if something's unsafe? Do they, you know, like what is hap- what's happening in their company? And that is their company. That's their brand. 
And if you look at, um, so, so there are so many big companies that are going to want to look at them to purchase, purchase things from them that the, you know, their sustainability factor, their people and their planet, right? Everybody's looking at that, you know, that environmental global and people equivalent of what that, you know, needs to be. And if you're looking at a company that is, um, has, you know, their safety and quality stuff locked down, their people are highly trained. They are, you know, perfectionist in how they execute. They don't have people getting injured on the job site. They, you know, like those are things that matter to those companies. And it's important for the big companies that want to purchase things from those companies that if they are doing that in the right way, then they are more likely to get those large contracts. So if they tell their stories (laughs) about how they're doing that, you know, it's not the same kind of marketing as you know how you would market whole food or how you would market you know uh, you know everybody has the opportunity to market themselves in a way that is authentic to them and every company sexy or not has their sexy factor (laughs) and i have a i have a heavy equipment you know company that i do business with right now and they are very interested in telling the stories of the people who work for them because it matters to them. It matters to their growth. And it has actually had a lot of impact on the companies who do business with them because they feel better about buying things from a company that they're saying, okay, you know, people don't do like shift work more than they're supposed to, or they're, they're not, um, you know, they're not producing uh, materials that are going to be faulty because, you know, their safety and quality uh, assurance is so high. So if you're telling those stories and you're telling, um, you know, your, your brand authenticity, you're talking about your brand authentically, then you're, that is your marketing. You know, your marketing really, if you're selling the same nuts and bolts that everybody else is, your place where you can differentiate yourself is is who you are. It's not necessarily your price point. Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a good place to conclude because I think that was a really good summation of of the brand value, right? That if you mm-hmm. if you tell the story not about what makes you the same as everybody else, but if you tell the story about what makes you different from mm-hmm. your competitors, then that is because there's only there's only one you, right? There's only one you as a company, yeah. and if you care about and, and operate and go about business with your team and your customers and your partners differently, then that's that's your brand essence, and that's the story that you need to tell. It is, and it's it's so impactful, and it really I've really seen it matter. And even if you are a, if you're a petrochemical company, you know, if you are a heavy equipment company, if you are an oil and gas company, there is always a place where, you know, those are hot, um, always hot on my list since, you know, since I'm in Houston, that people are like, oh, well, it's just about price. It's just about this. It's just about that. And, and it really isn't. 
Um, I mean, you can make it that way, but then you're competing with the same people who are not differentiating themselves either. So I love a good story. I love to find out that a company is, um, you know, going above and beyond to protect their people, protect their team, and which in turn then reflects on how they take care of their clients and their customers and uh, their sustainability of their company as a whole usually has a really amazing impact if they focus on that rather than wavering <laughs> with the with the the market fluctuations or when the wind blows right or you know or reacting with some competitive billboard that doesn't make any sense right exactly <laughs> chris adams from red thread brands uh, chris thanks for jumping on with me and having this conversation appreciate it good to see you thanks so much ryan this has been great Thank you for listening to the Mid-Market Growth Podcast from AWH. This is Ryan Frederick, and we will see you next time.